Hi, and welcome to the Automotive Tech Info Podcast, the program where technicians talk to technicians, offering diagnostic tips in 10 minutes or less. This podcast is brought to you by Automotive Tech Info to help you learn while you listen. I'm your host, Tony Mala, and we'll be presenting information for and by automotive technicians in a unique learning opportunity to grow your knowledge, insight, and understanding of the automotive technology you see in the shop every day, one nugget at a time. Hi, right, we're back talking with Dave Fischuto and Kevin Orndorff, respectively the former and current owner of Dave's Import Service in Medford, Oregon. We've been discussing diagnostic strategies and developing diagnostic techs. Dave and Kevin, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Tony. Good to be here. Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me. We were talking about training in our last episode. There's actually two tiers of training when it comes to career and technology education, obviously at the high school level. And then there are post-secondary programs, college-level programs, where a lot of the uh, car manufacturers have specific training programs that they partner with schools to teach the students more in depth. But what we're seeing a lot more of and getting a lot more shops involved is the what we used to call internship programs, which are going into actual full-blown apprenticeship programs now with independent shops and car dealers who are partnering with the schools at this high school level as well. That experience, that opportunity to have a mentor that's a working technician like yourselves and the hands-on experience, Kevin, that you reference, which is, is critical, allows them to run into things that didn't come up in class for a couple of reasons. One is they're following a curriculum. They're supposed to teach certain things that, you know, that they need to know. They never have enough time. Everyone struggles with getting, as you said, you know, all that information into a small enough package that it fits into an academic year and still hits all the marks when it comes to what industry is looking for. But nothing beats that real world knowledge and experience that you two have, which is one of the reasons we do these podcasts is to help share some of that knowledge. Again, I know we've been talking about basic diagnostic strategies. Some exposure, I guess, the students get to that. Some of them are involved in diagnostic competitions. A number of, of them exist. But again, that's only for a small number of the students. And as you say, they're the best of the best right now that qualify for it. The vast majority really depend on those internships and on those types of real-world work experiences to get that knowledge. Dave, I don't know if you ever did this, but Kevin, do you have any interns in your shop these days? I mean, have you been working with schools along those lines as well? Yeah, Tony, I do. I was actually just thinking about that. As far as technicians, myself, and my service manager, actually all of us have gone through some sort of trade school in past. I do have one current tech that is about two years out of the program here locally. He actually was right in the height of when COVID started, mm-hmm. and it kind of produced a pretty decent avenue for us to chat with him. They actually, he didn't finish his last quarter just because COVID shut things down. And I haven't done anything since, uh, mainly just because it, you know, they're changing that type of stuff up. But I did actually just talk with one of the the head instructors at the college and and they're starting to get back on board. So I'm definitely on board with doing it. And just real quick before I leave this, I actually am involved at the high school level as well with their shop teacher at one of the local high schools here on kind of the same same aspect of what we do at the college. It's an advisory board where we actually, you know, 
talk about how to get the high school students captivated before they leave high school. Well, one of the biggest challenges, aside from finding the qualified talent, is keeping the qualified talent. I have often read with some alarm the number of students that we lose within two years of graduating from schools. Now, some of them, it's normal. They just decide, you know what, this isn't for me after all. And there's lots of other opportunities in the automotive industry for someone with a technical background. But for the most part, the ones that really want to make being a technician their career, a fair number of them, again, get disillusioned when they actually get into the work. And it has more to do with what the business does to help invest in them more than anything else. I interviewed a bunch of students in Florida a couple of years ago, and I was shocked at how specific they were about what they expected from an employer as much as what the, they knew the employer you know, expected from them. But a big point that kept coming up was, how are you going to develop me? I want to give you all of my talent and abilities, I'll work my heart out for you, but what are you going to do to help keep me sharp? And Dave and I talked about this, Kevin, you know, about how much training is enough. How much training do you think is required for someone who wants to be a diagnostician and stay sharp per year in your shop? How often do you send your, your technical staff out to training? Well, going back to COVID, there's not a lot of in-person training that's available. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I did actually just last week have a conversation with one of our vendors that has their own technical institute through their company. And I asked him, when are we going to start this back up as far as in-person? Those are all rolling back out now. So that being said, once that hits, we'll start sending people to in-person classes as much as possible. But what they have done and what I have advocated for my guys and myself is this day and age, as far as technology goes, getting online and registering for online classes and, and taking online courses, videos. There's a lot that's available. So a lot of these companies went to that. Any chance that I get that I can, and if it's a course that I find relative to what we're dealing with and, and for that individual, as far as the technician goes, I'll sign them up for it. I, I really don't think there's a, a limit on training. There's always something new. There's always something fresh. And being involved in those training classes, whether it's watching a video online or being in person, you know, allows you to stay in touch with what's going on and kind of refresh sometimes, you know, even basic knowledge that you have. So I don't really see a limit. I think it's always, there's something that you can learn that we can always be trained on something constantly. We'll return to our interview after this word from our sponsor. Automotive Tech Info provides professional technicians with a regular diet of repair information on BMW, Mercedes-Benz, Nissan, Toyota, Volvo, Volkswagen, Audi, Porsche, and more. It's free access to technical knowledge and insight from professional technicians for professional technicians. Simply register at www.automotivetechinfo.com to gain access to our database of technical wisdom that is easy to use and searchable by keyword, vehicle manufacturer, or publish date. It's a convenient technical resource to keep you ahead of what's coming into your shop every day. For more information, visit our website at automotivetechinfo.com. And now back to our interview. You had mentioned you've been using online a lot, or at least you were during the COVID crisis, and that the hands-on stuff is coming back. 
I'd like to ask you a little bit about that online training. How valuable do you find that just as an addition to what you do in the live training? Is it something that you think is an important component to keep the technician sharp in between the live events? Or is that something you think that stands on its own in value as far as keeping the knowledge flowing? Well, I would say it's very valuable. I would continue to do it. You know, with online training, the beauty of it is it's accessible whenever you want. So most institutions will have their training videos archived on their website or through some sort of database. So really it it comes down to where you can pick and choose a time where you want to go watch that. As far as in between in-person live training, honestly, you can just pick the topic and you can go, you know, watch a video or do some sort of training on it. I don't see any reason to get rid of that. I think there's a flow there and it keeps that consistent flow of, of training. And, And like I said previously, There's so many things that change constantly in this industry, whether it be new model updates or something with a specific engine that's been updated, process. If you look for it, you'll find something. And so I'm a big advocate for using that as training. And sometimes, honestly, going and watching some sort of training video, I've used it in past to help me figure out a current problem vehicle that I've got in the shop is sometimes it's just a reminder to come back to what you already know, but you just more of a refresher. So it's, it's a consistency there, I think is what's key. Yeah. Well, Dave, you and I talked about the importance of building a technical resource library in one of our last episodes, and it's great to have a reference of what you did on diagnostic services as that reminder. Dave, you take advantage of the training that's out there at some of the uh, training events like Vision and ATE and some of the major events across the course of the year, right? You know, the COVID thing really threw a wrench in the works for all of us in terms of, you know, live hands-on types of training. So hopefully we'll start to see that coming back into uh, a bit of normalcy now. But yeah, there's the big expo we used to send our guys to. I know Kevin went to one in Florida, maybe one in Las Vegas. And where we were located on the West Coast, there was a a training seminar up in uh, Seattle that we used to take part in. And the techs could go through and pick their classes. They would offer quite a variety. And sometimes I'd sit down with the tech and say, you know, what do you think we should take? What would be beneficial for you? And what what are we seeing in the shop? And so, like Kevin said, operating a business in a a smaller metropolitan area, we don't have as many hands-on resources. There is always usually travel involved. So keeping that video library uh, available uh, video training resources, it's paramount to staying successful in this trade. And there's lots of that type of training that happens at some of the local levels through a lot of the associations, the regional associations across the country, which I, I've always found very useful. Kevin, do you have an actual training budget? David mentioned usually it involves travel just because of your location. Do you build that into your business model? Do you have you know some resources set aside for training? And how do you approach that? Do you send everybody out at once or send one guy out and have him come back and train everybody else? Any plan like that that you have? I don't have a specific plan. Dave probably had a better plan than I do currently. Coming into full ownership right at at the height of COVID, as far as training goes, there really wasn't any time to set aside a a budget, so to speak. 
sending several people at once would be great, but I would have to close the shop down to do something like that. So it, it really comes down to kind of along the, the lines of what we're talking about. What's current? What's the current trend or what's the current market as far as technology? What what are people using? I remember, oh, it's been years ago now, but when direct injection was kind of first on the forefront in gasoline engines, there was a lot of manufacturers that kind of put them out at the same time. And so those type of classes were available. And so things like that, where you see the common trend of different manufacturers are using this type of technology on their vehicles. And honestly, when you start seeing more of that type of stuff in your shop, when you have cars coming in with more common failures, and maybe it's something that's new and you just don't have as much hands-on training with it, that's a good time to kind of sit back and evaluate, okay, well, you know what, maybe we need to send a guy or two to this class where they can get some hands-on specific, you know, factory training or what have you on how that system works. And then from there, just follow up training as far as videos and things like that. So I don't know that there's a set budget, but to me, if it's something that needs to be done, if there needs to be some training involved, I'm pretty open to it. I want to be able to make sure that not only myself, but all the guys know how to work on these cars, especially if we're going to see them pretty consistently. I think it's definitely worth it. You know, not that I have endless pockets, but it, it's something that you, it's worth investing the money to send them via flying out or driving just to get that crucial information. Well, gentlemen, I want you to hold those thoughts because we're out of time for today, but I really want to continue this conversation in our next episode. So Dave and Kevin, can you come back? Yes. Yeah, Tony, sounds good. We have been talking with Dave Fashido and Kevin Orndorf about diagnostic strategies and the intricacies of developing your diagnostic talent in the shop. Join us for our next episode where we'll continue our conversation and dive more deeply into this topic. I'm Tony Mala, and thanks for listening.